Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers. All right, all right. Good morning. Welcome to episode 003 of We Do Recover. We have a special guest today for you guys. We have the founder of Addict to Athlete. Coach Blue is in the house. Yeah, buddy. We're excited to, to hear from him and, and get to his journey of recovery. Before that, though, let's do let's do some uh, some new and goods. Dr. Sellers. Well, first of all, um, who's the guy that takes his shirt off in movies all the time that says, all right, all right, all right? Who is that? That's who you sounded like. <laughs> McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. Thanks. That's who you sounded oh, like to me boy. this morning is... Hey, that guy's Matthew McConaughey. Just keep your shirt on, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's new? I'm down in St. George. I love it. I'm happy. It's a great day. Uh, I've I've known of Blue for a long time and uh, have not met him yet. And I'm so I'm excited to talk to him today. His organization really has uh, helped a lot of people, and I know a ton of people involved in his organization. So I'm excited to get to that. Blue, what do you got today? going on in your world man just got my run in i'm doing good i tell you like uh it's hot down here you guys it's like 15 degrees hotter than it is up where i'm at absolutely hey my new and good is i spent the last two days moving in this heat oh man and yesterday i get a call from my cousin he's like hey dude you want to go boating and i'm like do i ever (laughs) are you kidding me heck yeah the dry lake so yeah it was (laughs) it was so nice to get in that cold water after two days of moving in the scorching heat yeah that's nice Sean, what's going on? Well, I'm not supposed to say it, but uh, um, last night we made a decision to go to Sturgis. So we're leaving uh, on Wednesday morning uh, to go to Sturgis. Exactly why is that top secret, Sean? <laughs> I don't know. There's something about interstate travel or coughing uh, on doorknobs no, or something. No, no. I don't know. He meant Sturgis, Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sturgis. They have a great Maverick there. Right? Yes, exactly. It's fantastic. I think those rules apply on a motorbike, though, do they? Yeah, exactly. Two wheels, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, well, I think it's the 300,000 people there that there might be a problem. But Yeah, but the wind in your face on the motorcycle blows all the COVID away. Yeah, so there we go. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right, that's right. It'll be Abs- fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you guys for, for coming. This is, is, I'm so excited about this. So coach blue, man, the founder of addict to athlete, you guys, the slogan is a race and replace. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's awesome. So tell us a little bit about what does recovery look like today for you? Like, Mm. Take us into that. Let's get into the yeah, you story know, of you. Yeah, re- you recovery today is 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 really kind of jam packed with service. It's 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 in every aspect of my life. It's uh, from from you know being a dad, to being you know, ecclesiastical leadership, to uh, being the coach, um, and, and then just kind of you know do, doing my own thing. But it really is about service. It's about you know spending my time helping my fellow man, you know, kind of, you know, pull themselves out, out of the muck. And, uh, you know, I found that that's my, my sole purpose is to serve. And so recovery today is 100% like giving of my time to those who, who need the extra help and to, to move into a, a, the arena of a coach instead of a therapist and a counselor. Um, it really was, I think, uh, the, 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 the golden label, you know, to heck with all the other letters behind my name the coach uh, and that service I get to render on this team, it really does, you know, get me up every day. That's awesome. I, I love it because it, the whole race and replacing makes total sense to me, right? It's, I'm always saying the best defense is a good offense. Yeah. If you're out there, if you're doing positive things, setting goals for yourselves, 
you're that much further from consciously obsessing over substance abuse or mm-hmm. other kind of mental health uh, struggles, if you will. Yeah. So I absolutely love that. Tell us a little bit about what what do you what do you got going on as far as I know in yeah. September's recovery month, right? Yeah. So we we got a lot going on. The last year, I've been able to kind of just you know strengthen the team and, and do a little bit more robust kind of involvement. And uh, we've got all kinds of stuff online now. We have online trainings for certified sober coaching. 40 hours of, of like intense training to become a certified coach. And uh, people have been, you know, going through this program and uh, opening up chapters of addict athlete all through the country, which is still kind of bizarre to me because it started just as a, a little idea to go running at lunchtime and has now turned into kind of this, this movement. And so we got our online coaching program. We have our online meetings. Um, we have all, we have about 12 meetings throughout the state and into Nevada now. And uh, uh, you know, with, with our podcast and our YouTube channels and, and the content we do there, it's, it's, it really is become uh, just a huge part of my, my life as well as my family's. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, I love that. So tell us a little bit, does your family get involved in, in a lot of this oh, stuff? Like yeah. you make it really. Mm-hmm. So I, I hey, can I interrupt that for a you second? Bet. Cause I got some, I, I'd like to start a little sooner. So you mentioned a bunch of things that are in your life that are, uh, that, uh, that involve your recovery. And mm-hmm. so um, for a sec, Tell us who Blue is. First of all, let's talk about your family. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Who, who, tell me what your family looks like and uh, yeah. how your interactions with your family have changed since getting clean and that sort of thing. Start So start with family. Tell yeah, us a little bit about that. So I've got uh, I got two boys and two girls, so the force is completely balanced. You know, <laughs> uh, The two girls are the oldest, Brooklyn and Savannah, and then uh, my two boys, Boston and Camden, and they are, they're, they're a hoot. So all together, the Robinsons are, are quite a clan. Like we you know, meet the Robinsons, that's kind of our life. We're all kind of doing all these crazy things together. Um, but uh, they are very much involved. The kids all participate on the team through our minor league program, the 18-year and younger group. And uh, I've been able to do a couple podcasts with my daughter, Savannah. She seems to be gravitating towards that counselor, you know, kind of mindset, which is not good because she Wait, tells me you, where the bear poops some every once in a while. Did you tell me how old she is? How, Savannah's 14. Okay. So she's already heading. So she thinks she's 25. Towards helping mm-hmm. the world. She is. And she's going to solve that. some problems there. But yeah, like I said, she's, I think we've created a monster in her because she's, she's very wise for her age because her mom, her mom, my wife, Marissa, she's our athletic director. She's a recreational therapist uh, in profession. And, uh, really is the backbone of this whole thing. I mean, it's, it's her that kind of keeps us all glued together. It might've been my idea, but it was because of her influence. And so, um, yeah, together we do, we do a lot of fun stuff. And I've always said that as soon as my kids say that it's too much, that's when Attitude Athlete's over and the baton gets passed because I wanted them to always be an active part of it. Sure. Um, see if you can guess where I'm heading with this next question. Mm-hmm. I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. Oh boy. <laughs> do you know yeah. where I'm headed with this? I know the area, yeah. So the Baltimore Orioles play in a stadium called? Yeah, Cam- yeah. Camden, Camden Yards. Yards. Mm-hmm. And yet your other son's named Boston. You cannot have yeah. the Baltimore Orioles baseball stadium <laughs> and the Boston Red Sox yep. in the same family, yep. can and you? You got the Boston and uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers back then, right? That's All right. That stuff. Yeah, it's in Savannah, Georgia. I don't think they have Savannah, Georgia is a pretty Braves, place, right there. Yeah, and that wasn't even by you know by choice. I think the the names there. My wife likes a kid that the kids' names are after rivers and, and bodies of water. Okay, there so, you go. Yeah, there you she's go. a swimmer. There I love that you said you know. That, that she's kind of the backbone of the thing. Behind every great man is a is a great woman, she, and she's amazing. Yeah, she keeps she she kept me on track, got me through school. So 
Absolutely. She owes a, a lot to her. Okay, so um, I'm going way off script here. You can take You're the going lead. Rogue. You're, you can good. take the lead if you want. But I like I like the freestyling. Yeah, so I do too. I I love that you've talked about what your recovery today looks like. It's service, right? It's giving back to other people. Isn't that recovery? It is recovery. That really is recovery right there. Right? Well, yeah. Because uh, and I I'm I'm also reflecting back on the uh, on the motto erase and replace, right? There's too many people that erase. Mhm. And then they're unsatisfied with recovery because it's not that great. Exactly. And they don't replace, they erase. So that's not recovery, mm -hmm. right? That's sobriety. Yeah. And it's not that fun. No. Right? Uh, if that's all recovery is, I don't want any part of that. Uh, uh, that's just boring. Yeah. Right? you got to have passion in recovery. I think that's the concept of the podcast. We're not going to steal your motto, erase and replace, but the concept right of the ahead. podcast is, now it's a great <laughs> it's a great motto, and we might throw it out every once in a while. We mm. won't steal it as ours, though. But um, I think if people don't replace, then they're bored with recovery, but they're not in recovery. Yeah. Right? They're bored with sobriety is what they're really bored with, and sobriety, if all it is is sitting on your hands and not using drugs or alcohol, I don't even want, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. That's not fun. Well, and, and that's where the principle behind the erase and replace with things of greater value, meaning more than just one, because you know that you can erase using, but replace that with maybe becoming a gym rat. And then you're, you're in there too much. And that was one of our criticisms at first is that people didn't understand. They thought that we would be, you know, tempting our, our, our athletes to cross addict. And I'm like, oh, heavens no, because, you know, we create balance through service and through engagement, through building family relationships. We call establishing a home team, much like you would on a dining you know, basketball team. Love it. And so we, we balance these athletes out through service and these speaking engagements and participation and all kinds of things to create that, that whole sense of things of greater value. So you can't just erase and replace. You got to do replace that with more so you don't get typecast into one thing. Yeah, yeah. great. That's that balancing is, yeah. is awesome. Oh, for I, sure. I uh, will sometimes lecture in uh, some of the treatment centers where I'm a medical director and we talk about, uh, you know, the final common pathway of addiction where dopamine is released in the midbrain. And then I list all the things that release dopamine in the midbrain. One of those things that releases dopamine in the midbrain is exercise. Yeah. And if you live with no dopamine in your midbrain, your life is not very good, mm -hmm. right? No. So you got to have some. The problem is we also have to learn balance because if mm -hmm. what, if all you do is stop drinking and drugging and then spend 24 hours a day in the gym, mm -hmm. uh, you're now addicted to that. Absolutely. Right? Because it's a, it's a process or an activity mm -hmm. that releases dopamine in your midbrain. So as addicts in recovery, we all have to be careful to balance that stuff because, right, I mean, you yeah. haven't replaced if you've just changed. If you just changed and switched, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Cross addictions are a very real thing. And, and uh, because our teams are, are so localized and we, we train the coaches to, to kind of you know, watch over with stewardship, uh, they keep their finger on the pulse to all their athletes. And so it's a lot different than a lot of the mainstream groups where you know, community resources are because uh, we know what they're doing. We, you know, it, word spreads pretty quick when someone falls down a rank and we have our, our personal trainers go out who are much, they serve kind of like what a sponsor would. They go out there and help them, you know, get back on their feet and stuff. So, yeah, we have a lot of accountability. And, yeah, if, if they get too much, uh, you know, too, too many egos going, we humble them down and, and get them into the service aspect or start helping out with the minor league. And we get them doing more than just the one typecasted activity. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
I've gone to an addict athlete meeting and I absolutely loved it. So I'm all about positive I am statements. Yeah. One thing, this is not a knock on NA or AA. Let me start off by absolutely. saying that. However, because that's where I got my foundation. Like, yeah, we all support that. Absolutely. 110%. Right. I think what you tell yourself is extremely powerful. It's true. When I go to NA and AA meetings, my home group, I say, I'm an addict in recovery. Mm-hmm. Because I finished that I am statement with something positive, right? Something I'm feeding my brain. Yeah. I've been to an addict to athlete meeting. Tell us a little bit about how you introduce yourself. Yeah. The meaning behind it. Let's get some of that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for asking. It was one thing. And, you know, when we first started Addict Athlete in 2011, there wasn't anything else like this here. And I, and I, I say this often that we are very lucky in the state of Utah to have so many programs um, that, that have come after Addict Athlete and compete for people's attention. And I love it because when we first started, we had to go through some, 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 some lumps and some bumps because <laughs> I didn't feel like I wanted my athletes to, to describe themselves as that negative connotation. I knew that they had addiction and that they were addicts, but not anymore. That's what it's, it's about. It's about moving from addict to athlete. And uh, what we do is, is when they introduce themselves, you know, and then each chapter does it, you know, kind of on their own merit, but they'll introduce themselves as champions. And, you know, any, any athlete there that comes to a meeting in recovery, um, they call themselves a champion. Anything that follows an I am statement is absolute truth and you're going to believe it. And so I think it's important to understand the principle of I am an addict, but for how long? Because even our Roman numeral two, the reason why we chose a Roman numeral two and not the number two uh, was because the Roman numeral system doesn't identify with zero. So you can never be less than one. So whatever is left, whether it's your higher power, maybe it's you, maybe it's a loved one. And then, you know, you're never less, you're never zero in the Roman numeral system. But once you add something to one and become two, that's a platform to build on that becomes a foundation. And so what we wanted to do is help teach them that you're more than an addict. You're also a father and a brother and a son and a scholar and an athlete and an artist, you know, and all these other attributes because Anything that follows an I am is absolute truth. We've got to be careful with that. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's that's for sure. Yeah. I love that. Tell us a little bit about the, the meetings themselves. There's like a topic, the discussion, your traditional support. Mm-hmm. And then you guys do something a little different. Yeah, yeah. Paint so us a picture of that. It, it was kind of funny. Um, we started, I wrote, a, I wrote the Addict Athlete Playbook, and it's got, uh, for anyone that gets trained to do this, we give them the playbook, and they have, there's like 65 topics that are are kind of sports-related, maybe athletically you know, related to a principle of sobriety. And I think that the same principles that go into being a world-class athlete, as, as you know, you've, you've been in sports a lot, um, you use those same characteristics, principles, and, and motivation to become a, a world-class person in recovery sobriety. And so what we do is we, we have a topic and it's an open discussion. And uh, because of that, we have a lot of folks that come that don't have addictions. We, you know, like we were talking before we recorded <laughs> the muggles, we call them the non-magic folk, right? And they come just because they have a loved one that does. And so we combine those two and they learn from each other. And so the cool thing is, is no one knows who's using and who's not, I mean, who's an addict and who, who's not, um, because you're all on the same team. And so we go through, we have an open dialogue. We talk about the positive aspects of recovery. And then literally we work out whether it's yoga, running, uh, you know, like, um, you know, whatever, whatever they want to do softball. They, they have an activity to get the dopamine levels going. And uh, it's, it's, it's proven to be kind of a, a great motivator for folks because everyone that comes on the team at first says, well, I'm not a runner. And it's like, well, yes, yes, you are. You just forgot because no one <laughs> walked from house to house when you were trick-or-treating as a kid, right? 
So if you got older, it wasn't as fun. Um, so we helped teach them how to do it. And like you were saying, the dopamine release, what I realized real quick is that when you're running and you're exercising, it's left, right brain stimulation, which is what EMDR therapy is. So when I was getting trained in EMDR therapy, I'm like, I thought I was creating this new pathway of recovery and breaking the ground. I'm like, it's just EMDR. And I've seen some amazing things happen because of the, the follow through these athletes are doing. Awesome. That's amazing. This, and there's some solid science behind what yeah. you're talking. I mean, everything that you just shared with us, there's some solid science behind that. The other thing too, you can be an athlete in many different ways. Yep. I mean, Dr. Sellers here is a golf. I mean, look at those. Look at those what, shorts. What do you, yeah. He's, he's got the green hat going on with the green shorts. He's got his, are those, do you golf in those shoes, Dr. Sellers? Uh, I'm going to today. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. like I'm trying to, you know, yeah. Super smart guy. How old are you, Dr. Sellers? A hundred. He's a hundred years old, right? Years young. Or 60, exactly. (laughs) He grew up with the Flintstones. Right. Fred was his best friend. Had that big thing of barbecue ribs on the side of my car. Oh, you just made me hungry. That sounds good, doesn't it? Really. The point I'm getting at is he he can go out on a golf course and get that same dopamine rush, Mm -hmm. right? He can go out on that golf course, erase and replace. Yeah, because that's what, I mean, golf, it's about patience. It's about focus. It's about technique. And and so many aspects of what you do to to connect with that ball goes into recovery. The same things about being focused, about blocking everything else out, focusing on the moment, being mindful, you know? And so we take all those principles and and put them into recovery. Yeah, that's great. So whether I'm an 18-year-old kid and I want to get out and run a marathon or whether I'm... 60. Six-year-old Dr. Sellers and everybody in between, there's something for you. Yeah. I got to tell you, Coach Blue, I, I've i been holding some resentments against you because I, <laughs> I went to an addict-athlete meeting a week or two ago. Uh-huh. It was an awesome meeting. You were on, right? We took some questions yeah. and stuff, had a good time with the meeting. And then afterwards, we went and played sand volleyball. And I think my lower back <laughs> is still spasming from – does that mean I'm getting old, yes. Dr. Yep. Sellers? That means you're it older means. than me. Yeah. So my lower back still spasm. It was such a good time though, just getting out there mm-hmm. and you know, nobody's trying to be super technical or put pressure on anybody. It was just a group that's of like-minded of individuals having fun, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's the beauty of it. And when I have the athletes participate in city recreation, um, and, and I've caught some flack for this too, is I don't, I don't have them participate in the sober softball leagues or, or the sober leagues because I want them to stop typecasting themselves into that one paradigm. I want them to feel like they can go out and wear the addict athlete jersey and start a conversation. And it, it's, it's backfired a few times. We've had teams come up and mock them like, hey, you drug addicts, not knowing what we, what we were. And for them to keep their composure and then to kind of teach the principles after the game and have those, those same you know, athletes come back <laughs> and apologize, um, I want them to, to, to know that they're not a special case, that they are, they are normal. I mean, one of the biggest things for addict athlete was to you know, lessen the stigma of what an, what an addict and what addiction is. And almost 10 years later, I think we're starting to chip away at that. No question. No Definitely. Question. I. Get rid of that stigma. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to touch on in, in your journey in recovery and addict athlete before we, we break into part two here is anonymity. Yeah. So anonymity traditionally has been what you see here, what you hear here, keep it here, here. Yeah. Here, you here. guys have here, here. You guys have a little bit of a different approach in the last five minutes. Can you take us out of this part one? Yeah. Again, thank you for asking because it's, these are the, these are the principles that I, I've really kind of wanted to kind of emulate and, and kind of strengthen in the person that's uh, in recovery because I understand the principles and the 12 steps and I honor those. And a lot of people think that addict athletes are a competitor to, well, to that and it's not, never has been. But again, because it's new, people don't understand. So they guess and they guess wrong. But the, uh, the concept of, of anonymity in 2020 is deadly. 
And uh, I get the principles of Dr. Bob and Bill when they were going through that and establishing that because a handshake was as good as a contract. And when your word was your bond, um, if you had a problem and it got out, it could mean you know, game over for you. So I understand the principle of it. And I think that level of integrity is, is amazing. On Team Medic to Athlete, we do things differently. Um, it was the very first time we had the first five athletes that ran the very first 5K. And before they started, they handed out these shirts that said Addict Athlete. And as a therapist working at Utah County, I'm like, you guys, you, you can't wear those. People are going to know. And they're like, we don't care. You know, I'm like, all right, well, if, you, if you're okay with it. And because of that, the mayor of, of Provo identified them as they ran by and he had a conversation with the athletes. And, you know, John Curtis, who was the mayor of Provo at the time, um, really sparked the, the fire for our team at athlete to go because he went to the county commissioners and said, hey, there's this team, it's a county, it's a county program, I saw these shirts. And so really their anonymity now becomes their lifeline. It's, you know, it's people will wear these shirts and, and you know, the, the, the inquisitive folks will say, hey, what does your shirt mean? And then they get to bear testimony of their sobriety and their journey. And uh, because, you know, there's a lot of muggles on the team, you know, the, the non-using folks and they wear them, they get to say, well, my, my husband, you know, was an addict or my son, you know, passed away because of addiction. And so it really has given them the green light to talk about their recovery. That's beautiful because it becomes a message of hope. Yeah. It becomes a symbol of overcoming a difficulty. No more shame. Mm -hmm. And there's so much, thank you. There's so much shame that gets included in just that stigma. Yeah. Go ahead. For those of us that have been sober for any period of time, that stigma and that shame starts to go away. Right. And I think that's really critical to so anonymity to me means it's not my job to reveal your addiction or sobriety. Great point. But I, I don't have anybody in my life that knows that doesn't know that I was an addict at some point. And mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed of that. No, I've been clean for a long time. I learned a lot of stuff from addiction that I didn't wasn't going to learn any other way. Exactly. And so if you take that and turn it into a positive then why would you be ashamed of that? Because I am not ashamed of the fact that I haven't touched an opiate in 18 years. Like, I'm really proud of that fact. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of that at all. And I hope the whole world knows that. Like, that, first of all, it's an accomplishment. And second of all, I got some stuff out of my addiction that was helpful for the rest of my life that I learned about myself. Humility yeah. being one of those. And I've talked about that. I, I'm not a very humble person, but addiction taught me some humility, I'll tell you that. And I don't want to... I don't want to bury that. Oh, for sure. I and want everybody to know that. My paradigm shift changed when I had a conversation with a bishop. And I'm in the pity pool. I'm, why me? You know, what, I thought God was merciful. I thought he was loving and just <laughs> super swimming deep in the pity pool. And he said something to me that completely blew my mind in paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, Jared, what if you get to the other side and the creator says to you, your higher power, fill in the blank. That's amazing you were able to overcome that challenge. How many people did you bring with you, though? Exactly. Addict to Athlete, mm -hmm. Dr. Seller, Sellers sharing his story, that brings people together, right? It, it becomes a message of hope for people to, to say, hey, you know what? I might not be strong enough right now, but I can look at Addict to Athlete. I can look at Dr. Sellers. Yeah. And I can pull hope and I can pull motivation from that. Mm -hmm. to be able to push myself to get to that point. Yeah, well, our, our bookend, you know, Erase and Replace, starting the end of every meeting, we say, turn your mess into a message. That's, that's oh, the two taglines, and that's what it's all about, turning the mess of addiction to the message of sobriety. So powerful. Beautiful. Beautiful. I remember in the midst of my, when I was at my worst, and I'd lost my license to practice medicine, I didn't have a decent source of income, 
my wife posted on our mirror at home a, a little thing that said something, and I'm paraphrasing now because it's actually not still there, but I'm glad God loves me enough to keep giving me trials. Brilliant. And Beautiful. that's the different viewpoint on it, right? Mm-hmm. Not the, not this why me, but God still loves me. I, I love it. You guys have been listening to episode 003 of We Do Recover. We've got in the house Coach Blue. He's sharing his vision of addict to athlete with us. Coming up, we're going to have a part two. This is going to be this is part one series. We have part two coming up. We're going to take a call, have Dr. Sellers address that. We have that hotline number. It's 801-410-0676. Got a caller that's called in. I'm excited to get to part two, guys. Don't forget our sponsor, Steps Recovery Center. Absolutely. Steps, where addiction ends and healing begins. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after the short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome to part two of We Do Recover. We uh, have... All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> you can just count it to go from part one, huh? Brilliant. You like it. You I like did. it. This is so Matthew McConaughey-like. I liked it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You've got, we've got Coach Blue here. We're getting his journey in recovery. He also is the founder of Addict to Athlete. You're listening to his journey in recovery. This is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. They also have, did you know Steps has a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week hotline you can call if you need, like, help getting into some treatment? Well, I didn't know that, but I like it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So that number is going to be 801 800 8142. So if you or a loved one needs some help, you're ready to submit your will and your life over to God as you understand him. Go ahead and reach out to them. That number again is 801-800-8142. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers. Okay, let's get after it. Part two, you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Sean, are you awake over there, big guy? Everything's super. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm still planning my Sturgis trip. Oh my goodness! Apparently <laughs> distracted a little bit by Sturgis. Google Maps on his phone. Second <laughs> best path. He's talking about Sturgis in Utah. Everybody. He definitely is COVID compliant, right? Yeah, yeah Sturgis, Utah. It's next to uh, um, Loa. Yes, yes. Big Nell. Yeah, that's where we're going for the afternoon, and then coming back with right. nothing else for happening. Sure. Just right. that. To Ma- to Maverick. <laughs> to Maverick. To Maverick. Like Adventure it. begins. Hey, Maverick, let's get a sponsorship. Yeah, hey, where adventure begins. Okay, so let's move on. We have a hotline. We got some callers. What's that hotline number? It's 801-410-0676. Call us with questions. Call us with questions, comments. If you know of somebody that you're like, this would this podcast fits this person perfectly, they've got an awesome, they're doing, they're a mover and a shaker 
definitely reach yeah. out. We'd love suggestions for guests. That would be awesome. Yeah. Are you ready to take this call, Terry? I Dr. am. Sellers? I sure am. Terry's fine. Listen, I was born with a name. It what? wasn't Dr. <laughs> You've <laughs> no. earned it, though, and it's a sign of respect, right? Whatever. It's fine. Okay, let's let's hear from this caller. Hey, guys, it's John Gossett. I just uh, was calling in with a question for Dr. Sellers. Um, Dr. Sellers, I was wondering if you live with somebody in your home that you suspect is over uh, overusing prescription drugs. I'm just curious. I understand that there was some legislation uh, to make naloxone available without a prescription, and I'm wondering if you could tell a little bit about that and um, if that information is true, where can I get some for my home? So, hey, appreciate you guys. Appreciate all you're doing, and uh, look forward to your answer. Take care. Bye. Awesome. That's a great question, hey, John. That's a great question, John. Thanks for asking. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, I think that is if you have an, an addict living in your home, naloxone is a must in your home. Keep that addict alive until they can figure out how to get clean and sober themselves. And so, uh, you know, sometimes there's been there's a lot of controversy around what is called harm reduction. Harm reduction is where uh, maybe the person who's struggling with addiction is not ready for complete change yet. And basically harm reduction is keeping them alive until they can get ready to change maybe mm -hmm. and so that's what sort of naloxone is and sometimes it's got a bad rap at harm reduction has a bad rap that's that the goal of harm reduction is to keep people alive and i don't know how that can be a bad rap but that's what you want to do with your loved ones is keep them alive so if you have a loved one and listen naloxone only works for opiates so we're talking about opiate addicts and opiates are uh, all basically derivatives of uh, opium or synthetically derived opium. So they're all the painkillers. So typical opiates that we run across are going to be uh, on the street. People are using heroin because of its cheap cost. Um, and then uh, we hear a lot recently about fentanyl, which is now cut in with several different drugs, super potent opiate. And then, the, and then all of the strong pain pills, so Vicodin and Percocet and Oxys and Roxys and all of these things. These are opiates, right? They bind to receptors in the brain, and one of the things it does is to decrease your um, drive to breathe on a subconscious level. And so people die from opiate overdoses because they their heart stops and their breathing stops. Well, their breathing stops first and then their heart stops because of that. Now, Loxone blocks that in the brain, blocks the ability of opiates to uh, bind to the receptors. Therefore, they can't exert their effect, okay? So, and it's strong enough of a binding that it actually will kick the opiates off the receptor. So if you give somebody who has now overdosed and is either not breathing or barely breathing, you give them a shot of naloxone, it'll kick all the opiates off of the opiate receptors in the brain and they will start breathing again. You've saved their life, okay? Utah does have legislation that made naloxone, it's not quite what we would call over the counter, but you do not need a prescription for it anymore. You don't have to go visit a doctor and beg. There's no shame left in that process. Love that. You can go to most pharmacies. Now, not every pharmacy is participating 
and I can't name you all the specific ones that are, but you can go to most pharmacies and say, can I get a naloxone? It's usually an injection. Sometimes it comes in a nose spray, but it's almost, but um, either way it works. They'll give you one. It's not free necessarily, but they'll give you one without a prescription. So go call around and, and find pharmacies. It'll give that to you. You can also look up a couple of things online. Utah Naloxone will give free doses of Naloxone. Um, there's a couple of other uh, organizations that will give out free Naloxone as well. Just a mandatory thing. If you have an addict in your house who is continuing to use and who is not ready for complete change yet, please go get that and save somebody's life. Or, hey, listen, maybe it's maybe it's somebody that has some serious medical issues. I have a little brother. Shout out to my little brother, Jordan. He has some serious medical issues where he has to take powerful pain medication. Yeah. And we had the conversation with his wife like, hey, yeah. you might want to keep some of this on hand because accidental overdoses happen all the time. Sure. And it's not always the person taking the meds either. Oh, what if a point. kid gets into those bottles? Oh. If you don't have naloxone laying around your house, not laying around, but you know what I mean. It's if you place. don't have naloxone in your house and a kid accidentally gets into that bottle of pills, you could lose a kid or you could save his life with naloxone. My life was saved with naloxone. I got hit with it on uh, the bathroom floor after a an attempt, right, with at the at my ground zero my rock bottom yeah so yeah i love it i love that utah legislature thank god that that they passed that yeah i'm glad somebody hit you with naloxone that's i'm glad you're here appreciate that serious me too but i think that was a great thing that you pointed out this doesn't have to be for only people who are addicted to opiates if you have powerful opiates in your home you might want to have naloxone well you do want to have naloxone in your home in case the person taking them accidentally takes too many uh or in case somebody else gets into those things Amen, brother. So, Coach Blue. Yeah. Are you, you're, you're not one of those magical folks, are you? You're not a normie. Don't tell me you're a normie. Oh, heavens no. He's magical. Yeah, no. Well, in, in certain <laughs> ways. What did you call them? Muggles. 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 He's not yeah. a muggle. I'm, I'm not a muggle. That, which means I'm he's magical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay, so you've, you've told us about your life in, mm-hmm. in, you know, your journey in recovery. It's a beautiful one. Not only have you been able to stay on top of your game, not only have you been able to erase, you've been able to replace. Yeah. And man, you've built an empire. And then you elevate other thank people's you. game. I love that. I, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Addict to athlete. Yeah, you're definitely uh, somebody. Tell us about your struggles. I want to get yeah. into yeah. take us back Blue. to the beginning. So yeah. we've we've talked. Part one in this was awesome. We really that was Coach Blue. Let's yeah. get into Blue Robinson. Gotcha. Where did this thing start for you? Yeah, you know, um, born in 1975 in Grand Forks, North Dakota, to a let's see, husband number four from my mom uh, on the uh, on military base, and so because of uh, my mom was married when she was 14 years old, mm. so she was a kid herself, had two, had three kids, and then lo and behold, here comes here comes Blue. <laughs> um, my biological father was a raging alcoholic, heavy duty user, and um, in the in the middle of the night, in the in a uh, cold winter evening, if you can imagine, North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, because of some some abuse and the addiction, 
my mom scooped us all up and, and drove us all back here to Utah. So I didn't really get to know my biological dad. Um, but we were, because of my mom being pretty much a child, uh, we were in and out of homes. We moved 28 times before I was 18. Wow. And, uh, you know, um, she was married six times, married and divorced six times, just a lot of abusive stepdads, um, you know, carry scars on my body from, from like abusive stepdads. And so realistically and quintessentially, I was, I was determined to fall into a life of addiction. It was following my mother. It was following every husband that she married and every, every relationship she got involved with. And my siblings started going down that path. My, my older brother, my sister, my next sister. And then of course there's me. And I just got to throw a book reference out there real quick. Mm -hmm. I love it. It just reminded me of this book. That's an amazing book. Childhood disrupted. Mm -hmm. Everything you're talking about right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a blueprint of so thank you. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so it was really kind of a chaotic lifestyle. We were, we were always on, you know, government support and, and, uh, social, you know, you know, social help for, for food and for you know, vouchers and things and hand me down clothing, which, you know, when you're getting your, your brother's clothes from the seventies and you're going to school in the eighties, <laughs> it didn't quite match. Not, you know? not building your self-esteem. No, no. And, and really because, you know, we would, we would move into these places and not even unpack boxes because, you know, we were moving out. And so it was, it was a rough childhood. Um, my, uh, my mom married a guy, uh, his name was Larry Robinson and he was an amazing guy, but he came at the end of, of, you know, me even needing a you know, biological father, so to speak. And so I grew up kind of really mistrusting, you know, men. Uh, and so really I took the last name of Robinson just because I think he was trying to, you know, get a leg up on, on trying to build that relationship with me and thank heavens he did, but it was a little bit too late. And so I'd already started to drink and I started to do those, those, you know, gateway things like the, the, the marijuana and, and the, the drinking and those kind of things. And at what age I was, uh, let's see, I was age 13 when I first tried my first drop of alcohol. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, just stayed out of it to, until the thick of things about age 16 when, when okay. just it all broke loose. And so, you know, THC, alcohol, um, you know, uh, methamphetamine and, uh, LSD. And so those were just things that were commonplace. And a lot of times I would just sneak it from, from my parents. And so really, as I started noticing my friendships starting to decay, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old and, uh, you know, lifestyles and, and patterns of lying and everything that an addict would, would do. I mean, I was, I was a really good manipulator and liar because I watched all my siblings and my mom, like she, I think she invented that, you know, like to <laughs> mistruth and lying and stuff. She did for you. She did because, uh. I believed it all. And so I dropped out of school and, you know, just, you know, and they were fine with it. I'm like, I'm not going to school anymore. And they were like, totally like, all right. And uh, so really it was a, it was a downhill slide. And then I started, I had a really bad experience on uh, February 2nd of two, uh, 1996. And uh, it was bad. It was a rock bottom. It was a scary situation where me and a friend just pushed things a little too far and, and life got real fragile there for a second. And it scared me enough to like push away and by the grace of God, I did. I pushed away and I, I, I committed what I like to call uh, you know, social suicide. I walked away from all the friends and the family, which was not easy because I, it was so scary. And the thing that I got myself involved with, uh, you know, of like, you know, jeopardizing my life that uh, I just, I turned, I turned, you know, I turned a corner. And so really by committing that social suicide and walking away, I was alone. And so I like, to, I like to joke that my friends were Monica and Chandler and Ross on, on, on Friends. <laughs> That's all I had. And uh, I slowly started to kind of climb out of this fog. And it was bad. It was a really sad situation. And I started, uh, you know, started doing things like work. And it was funny when you work and you get this thing called a paycheck. 
I started accumulating all this money, but I wasn't using anymore. And so I had this big wad of cash. And so what were you doing for work? Sorry. Well, it's kind of funny you'd ask. I was working as a courier for a youth treatment center in Provo, uh, Utah. It was, uh, I was drive kids to and from troubled teenagers to and from court dates and doctor's visits and stuff. And I, the, the, the one qualifier was, did you have a high school diploma? And of course, you know, I checked yes. You know, because well, yeah. I get a master liar here. Well, yeah. No one checked. And so, <laughs> but what was cool about that is as I was starting to get purpose by, by helping these kids out, you know, and just driving them to and from, uh, that's how I was introduced to the 12-step community. I would take them to the 12-step meetings. And I would just sit and listen. And no one knew I had a problem. But as I sit there and listen, I'm like, hmm, this is kind of crazy. All these people are coming together talking about this stuff. It's weird. And so, you know, I talked to the kids about it as we're going back and forth. And and uh, one of the guys, his name was Steve Allred, pulled me aside one day and said, Blue, you're really good at connecting with these kids. Have you ever thought about going to school to become a counselor? And I hadn't even finished high school yet. Path changer. Yeah. So I met my wife at that school, at, at Heritage. She was a, uh, a recreational therapist. I was a courier. We bumped into each other. And... So, you know, long story short, she, I, I conned her into hanging out with me a little longer. <laughs> but uh, I went to school, got my adult high school diploma. I was the first person in my family to ever graduate high school. None of my family has ever graduated high school, let alone college. Congratulations. And so my, my wife kind of pushed me in that direction and got my, my, uh, my it was an LSAC back then. It was, I was a second class at right. the University of Utah for the SUDC class, the Division of Substance Abuse up there. Awesome. And so I started working there and then I went on and got my master's degree, which was nuts. You're looking at the first guy to ever graduate UVU without taking math. It's a whole nother hour that we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> and basically it was just like not taking no for an answer. And so really my, my recovery started when I pushed away and, you know, been clean since, you know, what, February 6th to uh, 1996. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. You that's just gave great. us so much right there. That's you transitioned awesome. so that our listeners can connect with you, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm with you. I Sometimes I feel like I've talked about the dark things, and this podcast mm-hmm. isn't about, you know, darkness, the, the war stories right. or the it's drug about, journaling. It's yeah. about light. If you were to say your DOC, when you talked about on that f- the February 2nd, mm-hmm. I forget the year, I apologize, but... 1996. 1996. Wow. So, without getting too much into that, you know, stuff, what, did, what is it you struggled with so that if the listeners are listening, they can go, I can connect with this. Yeah. Yeah. Robinson. For me, it was whatever I could get from my parents. And so right. it was the pills and it was the, the easy accessible stuff. It was the alcohol and, uh, you know, the, 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 the same things it's checking the, you know, the medicine cabinets and all that stuff. And so really it was, uh, it was, you know, more alcohol based cause it was, it was available and it was yeah. depression. I was self soothing depression. And so, yeah, anything to kind of numb, you know, the, the fact that my life was, was, was bad, you know, trying to wrap your head around, you know, being an abused child and all, all that stuff. And so, yeah, anything that could kind of numb that pain was all, sure. I was all over it. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's powerful too, because listen, if, if I'm a parent listening in, I know for a fact, if either one of my precious children, if I can prevent them from going down the path that I've had to walk, oh, please make that possible. Right. I'm saying a prayer right now. Hard to Lord, do. If you can hear me. Yeah. But so, I mean, even if a parent is in the depths of their addiction, mm-hmm. save the next generation. Yeah. Listen to awesome. Coach Blue's story and right. don't make it accessible to them, right? Because 
nobody's happy when they're in, right. Like no. you're not having a good time when you're really no. right before rock bottom and you're in the depths of your addiction. Well, I couldn't imagine Save doing that child. to my kids. I just couldn't imagine it. And, and so that's one of the things that I was terrified to have kids terrified because sure. dad's mean pain. They mean hurt. Right. And so I remember my, when my first daughter was born in Brooklyn, I carried her around for the first couple of days on a pillow. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't want to hurt her. And she's like, they're, they're kind of rubbery. You're, you'll be okay. And I'm like, no, the dads hurt kids. And so really that mindset of one day having to explain to them as we're hiking up a, a water slide, hey, dad, why do you have these scars on your back? And then me having to explain to those kids, yeah. well, your dad had a couple of guys that were dads in his life that were not so nice. Yeah. And, and, and seeing their concern in their, in their little eyes, I'm thinking, I've never put them through that. So really it kind of gave me that reinforcement to be to be the opposite of what I was taught. And so I like to say that I'm a, I'm a pretty good dad because I do the opposite of what I was taught. Yeah. Awesome. Listen, you can learn something from everybody, oh, right? Yeah. You can Absolutely. learn how to do things right, or you can learn how to not do things. And, yeah. and we all have excuses to use, to and I just be, don't use it that way. Way to be that change that's going to change it for generations to come mm-hmm. in your line, right? Really quickly for me, I got a two questions really, but when I have a question for you, so, okay, great. You were talking about, um, uh, and I, I heard the part of your story. You were taking kids from what was that heritage? Yeah, yeah. To, to meetings, and then you kind of just like started listening. And mm-hmm. was there a moment? Yeah. That happened. That's like, I got to stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I I'd already started, you know, kind of that sobriety path. But really, when I started understanding that I wasn't alone, that there were these people that were talking about it. Okay. And and you know, listening to people talk about their strategies and and the fellowships and stuff. That's why it's kind of funny when people think that athletes competing with twelve steps because guys, that's uh, I mean, I I volunteered to take those kids every day. Right. I lost myself. You know, I did I did one hundred and twenty and one hundred and twenty. I was every day taking these kids. So <laughs> I'm a believer in them. But that's it was just listening to the stories about I'm not alone. Other people struggle with this. Okay, so my, my second question, we, we're running a little short on time, so I don't need to take too much time, but was that you're, you're in recovery now, okay? Mm-hmm. So your life's changing, things are getting better, you're decent, maybe you're married. Mm-hmm. What, how did addicts to athletes or addict to athletes start? Like what, mm. what just Inspired the very you. beginning, where was that? Mm. So it was when I, I had all this money and I went out and bought this mountain bike because I had all this money and I didn't want to use it for drugs. So I took it and I just gave this guy in Provo bike shop, this, this big wad of cash and said, what can I buy for this? And he gave me this really sweet trick mountain bike. And, uh, I, you know, it was wall art for a little while, but then I took it out one day and I bumped into some folks that were up there biking and I was in the wrong place, Levi shorts, no helmet, no water. And they're like, dude, you, are you lost? And I'm like, in more ways than one. <laughs> and so really it started there and, and kind of becoming, I'm no longer an addict. I'm, an, I'm a mountain biker. And then meeting my wife and her, her family, they're all recreation based. They're all swimmers and they're runners. And so I started running with my father-in-law who lives down here in St. George. And uh, I started having that father-son relationship with my father-in-law, which was huge. I never had that before. And so really he got to know me through all these miles we're putting in to do the St. George Marathon. My very first experience with running was the St. George Marathon in 2000. And uh, so it started with just me like, wanting to do something different and, you know, bumping into some guys that didn't ask me how, well, if I could score weed or whatever, it was, Hey, you're, you're lost. Let's get you down off the mountain. And they said, Hey, we're up here all the time. Get a helmet, get a water bottle and meet us here on Thursday, you know? And so that's kind of how it started. But really it was me being able to see it worked for me to erase it and replace it. And so when I was presented with the opportunity at the County to take five guys to start, that's what we did. And wow. now it's turned into this big thing. Wow. That's, that's great. Yeah. That's beautiful. I that love that. That's great. And I got to give a shout out. You, you mentioned the St. George marathon. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea who started that? I should, but I don't. 
A guy named Sherman Miller. It's my uncle. You know that uh, guy. Uncle Sherm? Uncle wow. Sherman Miller. He started. Wow. He puts on a good show. Yeah. yeah he, did you know when he first started that thing, he had to go around and beg people, right? Well, like, I'll, bet, I'll bet. And now it's huge. Yeah, no, it's hard to get into. He passed away a year ago. Shout out to him. Love that guy. So, Dr. Sellers, if I'm listening to this, Coach Blue just shared his experience of it was around, it was available. My question is, with Big Pharma is huge today. If I'm a concerned parent and I'm listening, there's a lot of ADHD going on. There's mm-hmm. a lot of... At what point, or if I'm a parent, how do I have a doctor visit where I keep my kids safe so they're not early exposed? Because I look back on my experience. My experience started through pain pills, right? And it it took off. If I'm being a proactive parent and keeping my kid safe, what's the best way to do that? Uh, That's a really, really really good question. First, First is be involved in their lives. Listen, there comes a time in kids' lives where they don't want to hang out with their dad right I I've mean, noticed there's an age where they where their parents stop really having much influence on them I'm not saying you have to do too much in the way of influence although that stuff comes earlier in life you influence them earlier in life but be involved in their lives know what they're doing know where they are without being too snoopy and too like overbearing and Listen, kids want their independence as they get older and start to feel more confident, and and they should have that. They deserve some of that, right? We all need that. But stay involved. Don't just let your kids do whatever they want to do and you don't know anything about it. Stay involved. Know what's happening. Know where they are. Monitor the kinds of people they hang out with. I mean, that's, that's important. I tell my athletes to parent out of inconvenience. It's not convenient to be a parent. And so you're going to miss the jazz game. You're going to miss some of the things you want to do because like Dr. Seller said, you got to be there with them. You got to see them when it's not convenient. Both great answers. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank hey, you, I, listeners. I'm excited. This this was a great story, wasn't oh. it? <laughs> this Coach is a guy. You almost made me cry, man. Oh. No, this you is a guy. Listen, it. you're doing some great stuff. Thank you. I think that's you should be applauded for that. You have changed some people's lives. I know people that are in your organization that just love it. And oh, I haven't though. gotten into it. I probably should one of these minutes. And we are honored that you came on. But I'm absolutely honored. Thank yeah. you. Just happened to be down here when you it's needed nice. me. Super nice of you to come in because it was a great story. I hope our listeners really enjoyed that i'll bet they did absolutely and listeners you're listening to episode 003 we do recover thank you sponsored by sponsored by steps recovery centers where addiction ends and healing begins like this subscribe to this follow rate review thank you for your support thank you for joining us today on we do recover with jared miller help us spread our message of hope like comment and share If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.